Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Kelly Gligata. She is the VP of Talent for WorkWave. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm well. How about you? I'm doing good. Well, you're well, but you told me you're a little cold today. This work from home thing has its downsides, right? It certainly does. Yeah. Broke last night and we're making do today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we should factor that in. Like what happens when like the heating goes off in the office, you send everyone home. But if the heating's off at home, do you go to office? Like what do you do? I know. I thought about that, but then I can't get the heat fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Well, before we get too deep into this, let's do our capture question to prove your humanity. Your question, Kelly, is what is a future hobby that you would like to start? I would love to start photography. Mm. I am, by uh, every definition, an amateur photographer person. <laughs> I, uh, I have a great camera that I got for my birthday a few years back and have done next to nothing with it except take random pictures of nature that I think are good. And yeah. then when I... When I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, not so much. <laughs> I'd love time to get into that the right way. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. For me, like right now, I'm into learning piano again. Nice. So like I learned as a kid and then I like have gone through different phases of that. So th- that's where I'm at now. I feel like if I had to pick another one to add in, it'd definitely be some kind of language learning. Mm. I've traveled a lot, but never really immersed myself in a new language. And I feel like that's like the next thing I really want to get into. That would be amazing. I'm so just jealous of people that multilingual. Yeah. Just such a wonderful thing. I'm really disappointed that I didn't kind of seize that opportunity when I was younger. Seems like it's so much harder to get into as you get older. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to test that out and experiment like how much harder is it now versus right. being younger too. Yeah. Anyway, great. Well, you are a certified human. That's good. Um, so tell <laughs> us a little bit about WorkWave and what you do there. Yep. So we are a software company uh, and our software is mainly designed for field service companies. So like lawn care companies, pest control companies, uh, and they use our software to run their business and route their vehicles and keep track of appointments, uh, process their credit cards, really just everything they need to stay up and running. And I am their VP of HR. So, or head of talent, as we like to call it. So I oversee everything from the HR lens and office management and really kind of internal customer service, making sure everybody uh, that works there is happy. And how long have you been in this particular role? In this role, uh, about five years. Uh, been with WorkWave for uh, this year, I'll be 22 years. Wow. So you've had a chance to see things through the pandemic. You obviously have been with WorkWave for a long time and knew what it was like to be in the office. And then now we're kind of in this big experiment of getting through things. What was that transition for you like? Was it like others where it was like, you know, it was there were some hiccups, but we figured it out. Or was it really difficult? Were you ready for it? What was that experience like for you? I think from a technical standpoint, it was really easy. I mean, we're a software company. So for us to say, boom, go work from home, um, you know, that was a seamless transition. I think from a, the two biggest factors we had were how to um, just make sure we're all communicating using the same channels. We have so many channels we used to communicate yeah. that consolidating those was a biggie. Um, and the other part was how to replace those things that were kind of organic conversations. So running into somebody in the kitchen, 
seeing somebody that you're going about to go into two separate meetings, but you see each other in the hallway and strike up a conversation. Um, you know, it's been hard to find ways to duplicate those kind of organic meetups that happen during the day. Yes, yeah, serendipity is not happening in digital workplaces very much, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So how would you describe your state now? We're basically right out a year into most of the transitions that people have made. Do you feel confident, like you've made a lot of good decisions and you're ready to go further? Do you feel kind of comfortable where you are? Are you getting back to the office? What's your stance right now? Yeah, we are. I think we're all definitely, it's amazing to see how much we've been able to accomplish uh, being 100% remote. And for as much as we kind of miss seeing each other, each other every day, that's always a big thing you hear is, oh, I haven't seen your face. You know, I've seen your face, but not in person. That's, I yeah. think, being able to collaborate in a shared space and that energy that you get of being in a shared space, we all miss. Um, but in terms of productivity, that hasn't skipped a beat. So, um, you know, once we can go back in and it feels you know, safe to do so. We'll we'll go back in in a hybrid sense. We can still kind of take advantage of the upsides of um, you know having a little more work life balance on certain days, but be able to leverage that collaborative space and feel that energy at least a couple of days a week. That'll be great to be able to build that back in for sure. Right. Let's talk about motivation because I know it's a topic that you are passionate about. You guys have done a lot of work into it. And I feel like you're pretty advanced in learning about motivation of humans. So let's just start off with what was, especially at WorkWave, what was your general approach to motivation? And like, let's just say, even before you started in your current role five before five years. Yeah, a, a long time back, geez, it's got to be about 10 years ago now. It feels maybe longer, but time is a very weird thing right yeah. now, <laughs> sense of timing. But quite a while back, we uh, had connected with a company that did um, assessments. So kind of like a personality assessment, but not like a Myers-Briggs. It's not designed around um, leadership capability necessarily. It's more just designed around your natural inclinations, which is a fascinating topic for us because we find you know, anybody in any position, if you do what you love and you're naturally motivated to do most of the responsibilities of the role, you'll just succeed at it without really even trying because it's just, it's what you're naturally wired to love to do. So the thought was if we can find a way to understand if someone's going to pursue or join us doing a role that they're naturally motivated by, uh, we'll have a much higher percentage of having top performers in the company. So we collaborated with a company called Caliper. And for candidates that we're interested in, we have them take this assessment. It's not timed. Uh, it's just asking a gabillion questions about what do you like to do? Would you like to do this or that or this or that? And at the end, it gives us a really great sense of their social ability, mm -hmm. how much they love to manage their day or have somebody else manage their day, um, how much they love to you know, problem solve, um, their sense of urgency. It's really fascinating. And it's all just kind of how somebody is at home on the weekend by themselves. You know, it's not yeah. their work. It's truly who they are at their core. What's something you learned about yourself through taking that assessment? <laughs> well, part of it I already knew, but the other part was the kicker. So my sociability score on its own is around 8%. It's super low, which that, <laughs> you know, and anytime there's just, you know, a party to go to for a, a family or friend or something. I, I can't stand it. I, 
I don't want to go. I just want to sit in the corner. You know, my husband's quite the opposite of me. So that's always been, uh, you know, always been a talking point of how social he is and how much I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. But work, I'm the complete opposite. I love talking to everybody all day. I will roam through the office or even virtually, you know, reaching out to people to see how they're doing and stay on calls way past when we need to. Um, but because I'm, and I could never quite figure out why, right? Why am I social in one scenario, not in another? But it's because I'm motivated by so many other things that are tied into motivate into sociability in the workplace, like problem solving. My empathy is super high. Um, I love to build relationships. I love to teach and learn. Uh, and so I don't mind breaking out of my shell in those situations because there's so many other things I'm fueled by. And that's an interesting point that a lot of our team members have come into. You think, well, I don't like X. So you think you won't be good at the mm-hmm. job, but you don't realize if you're motivated by so many other factors, you may actually like it anyway. Yeah. You know? be holding you back as much as you think it will. Well, well, give us another example of like maybe a position you're currently hiring for or looking for. And what about that assessment that comes in? Are you paying attention to? What are some red flags or what are some areas you're like, wow, this person may be great for this role? Yeah. So a good one, um, and kind of a generic one is think of customer service. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so many different areas. So we have customer service reps that are helping our clients with our software. Um, and there's certain things that are non-negotiable, right? You have to like fast paced. You have to love to learn. You have to love to um, teach. Uh, but there's other factors that you'd think you have to be great at instinctively, but you don't. So you don't necessarily have to have really strong self-structure skills because the day is kind of structured for you. That phone's ringing no matter what. Right. And amount of time you can stay on the phone. So there's a certain amount of structure kind of built into the day. Um, and you'd be amazed how many people are great at the job that are actually very hard on themselves or their uh, ego strength may be on the lower side. And you would think, man, somebody's got to have a really strong sense of self to be listening to somebody calling in and voicing concerns and complaints and, you know, kind of having that resiliency to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. They're so motivated by giving of themselves and helping someone else and just wanting to make someone else happy before themselves that they're actually fantastic at the job, even though they may not be super strong in that area. Hmm. That's really interesting to think about, like those little motivation pieces that you don't think about as it comes through. So as you're assessing candidates coming in, do you treat this more of like uh, discarding some candidates for a certain role if they don't meet some of these things? Or is it more like uh, you, you talk with them ahead of time about it and say, hey, you seem to be low in this area. This might be an issue coming uh, at it. How do you approach that? Great question. So a big part of it for us is we don't give them that assessment until we've gone through the whole interview and feel like they'd be a great fit for the role. So mm-hmm. assessment isn't coming in front of the interview. The assessment is more of a validation that we did our job the right way during yeah. the interview. Process. And if something comes up on the caliper results that we say, all right, that could be concerning. Not everything that's concerning is necessarily a deal breaker, mm-hmm. right? Like we have our stuff. We all have our stuff that we're not necessarily great at. Yep. Uh, but it's a matter of is the manager okay with that? They may say, sure, I can coach them to be more organized, or yeah, I'm not worried about that. It, 
you know, I have other people in the team really strong on that, so they don't necessarily have to be. Um, so that's why we say to folks when they go to take caliper, don't worry, it's not a pass fail. It's just how you're wired. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. All part of us figuring out if the dynamics of that individual play well into the dynamics we need for that person joining the team. Let's zoom out on this discussion, particularly talking about technology and we're talking about recruiting and, and hiring. As it comes to using technology in a digital workplace like what you, you all have built, how is it that, like, you're talking about using technology, getting some feedback, getting kind of a assessment score, but then also bringing in that human element of maybe somebody saying, yeah, maybe they can do this, maybe they can't, but they're judging that based on their own human experience. Is that kind of the way you see things going forward with most of, of what we call, you know, HR today and technology of finding that right blend of, of how we can use these advanced tools, but also bring in our human intuition? Like, what's your perspective on that? I do, because I think no matter how much you have somebody take a skills assessment or see, you know, how fast can they type, how much do they, um, you know, how much they know a certain technology or programming language, whatever that hard skill is, you can't underestimate the importance of emotional intelligence and you can't underestimate the importance of their ability to collaborate and click with a team. That is so huge to their ability to thrive in any role and their motivation to do it. You may have somebody that, you know, how many times do you have people that go to school for one thing, they get their degree in something because they think it's what they're going to love. Right. They, you know, graduate, get that first job and they're like, oh shoot, I don't really like this. I thought it was everything I was motivated by, but I don't actually like doing this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's part of what this is. It's a little bit of a validation of, I know you apply and you see, you are saying you think you're going to like this job, but we really know what the ins and outs of this role are going to be. And we, you know, we're doing our assessment to make sure this is truly something you'll be passionate about. What's another area you feel like technology is going to help more in the next five to 10 years? And so like if motivation is one area where it's, you guys are, feel like you've developed a good partnership with, with the technology that's out there. What's another area that you're like, we're relying on human intuition a lot right now and human wisdom, and we could use a little bit more data backing up the assumptions that we're making. I think the other big part is communication style. So mm so many different quizzes out there around what's your communication style. And this assessment tool actually gave us insight into that as well. But the number of times that we see, I think from an HR standpoint, when we get asked to be pulled into situations of team members not clicking, communication gaps, um, you know, frustrations, nine times out of 10, there's a difference in communication style. One person's more direct than another. One person uses emotional language instead of uh, supportive language, and they don't quite know how to read each other and therefore kind of make false assumptions of what the other person is trying to say or misinterpret tone, which is so big mm -hmm. when we're all remote. It's so easy to look at an email and read it in a tone that you're putting on the communication versus right. necessarily knowing that person's tone. And there's a ton of technology that can help people understand their communication style and someone else's and and use that as a way to kind of level the playing field a bit and educate. 
too. I think we're starting to see the early days of a lot of that with some, just in, in the fact that we have predictive text now that as you're typing, something can say something's coming up. You see more tools yes. that are in Slack about, uh, we, we've interviewed some people that, that it can like test your language for some biases that you're you're putting out. So I think that that's reasonable to assume that in the next few years, some of these communication styles, you could get a message that pings up and says, this could be taken away that you don't intend to. Are you sure you want to send this? Things like that would be great. Exactly. Which I think would be huge for business. Wouldn't that just be amazing? Yeah. I feel like at any for any kind of industry, that's the biggest disconnect is what did you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> and what is your message open to interpretation too? Like because you you think it means one thing and maybe one out of four people would agree with that, but it could be taken so many different other ways too, depending on how that person is, what the context they're in, what their mood they're in when they woke up. So all sorts of things, right? Yeah. And we were actually, um, I was listening to uh, a webinar the other day of, you know, easy things you can do to, you know, improve your emotional intelligence, your communication style. And one of the top ones was, you know, the number of people that send an email to themselves and then go back and look at what they wrote about 20 minutes later and say, oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to come across that way and wind up rewriting it before they send it out. Yeah, I think you're totally right. We could use a lot of help from technology in that area, and that'll be great as it comes forward. Let's talk a little bit about what's a line we shouldn't cross. We're always wanting to rely on technology where it helps and where it's going to be beneficial for humans that are there. But in your world, do you have any like hard lines you're putting down and saying, no, we're not going to use technology for these things, or we're still going to rely mostly on humans for these things? What are some of those areas for you? For us, uh, one part of it is that... um, that focus on emotional intelligence. I've, for as much as you can help people understand what they're motivated by, having a discussion with somebody directly to talk through their feelings, why an event that happened really struck them a certain way, helping them kind of unravel that and understand the root cause of an issue. I think a lot of that dialogue you can't duplicate. You can get all the reports you want to say what may have triggered it, but there's still so much direct conversation that has to go on to make sure somebody knows how to read and apply and interpret all of this information we're getting from technology. Um, And and I think the other part that you can't duplicate is that sense of um, collaboration. You know, there's no amount of slack or anything that duplicates what happens when you're in the presence of other people and you're brainstorming a solution and reading, you know, seeing that body language or eye contact. There's there's just a different energy there that I don't think we could ever fully duplicate. Mm-hmm. Nor would we want to, you know, I think it's sure. fun out of it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, like, are there times when you've seen a candidate and they've been in a situation or somebody that you just hired and you see them in a situation and there's something you just feel. You just see like, wow, this was great. This was the perfect person for this role. Or you see those things. And it's like you said, it's hard to put into an algorithm what you felt or why it why it was. But you just know so much that it was true, right? And I have four names that come to my mind yeah. of individuals that I met in an interview. And they had little background to do the job. But you could just tell they were just naturally eager to learn and do it and had such a positivity about them. And just this, like things clicked, you know, every 
they were answering your questions before you even asked them, knew what they were short, what their shortcomings would be and, and what they would do to kind of fill that gap. And you just knew they were destined for way more yeah. than they were even coming in for. Um, and you, you know, it was, it was just a joke. I'm like, you know, a lot of interviewing feels like speed dating and you almost want to leave that part of the interview. Like, Oh, I'm smitten. You know? <laughs> and I think that's something, no matter what technology you use, you can't duplicate that feeling of meeting somebody for a position and saying, you're it, you're the perfect person. I'm trying to imagine a, a computer system coming back and being smitten. What does it look like for technology? <laughs> We actually used to do, um, you know, and, and we'll go back to once we're able to, we used to do in-person career fairs. And the whole point was we said to everybody in the area, just come in with your resume. doesn't matter if you fit all the criteria or not. We just want to meet people. Mm-hmm. It was incredible the number of hires we got from that. And they were typically, you know, an atypical resume, right? The resume didn't really speak to their passions or skill sets. Um, and they were amazing at what yeah. we brought to do, but they would have never passed the, you know, the standard criteria of an assessment or even a resume, right? Just yep. even going through the resume, it wouldn't have worked. Well, Kelly, let's finish up our conversation talking about the link between motivation and productivity. Productivity is a big topic for us and for you, I know, and thinking about what it means for somebody to do a good job. Obviously, if they're motivated by something that's going to, we feel like it helps them to do it, but some of the old metrics we've used for productivity are no longer relevant. So what's been your experience at WorkWave in terms of bridging that gap and and making that link between is somebody really doing a good job and are they motivated to do it? Yeah, I think productivity is a function of a few things. Obviously, you've got the basic stuff of, you know, we have goals as a team or an individual or company. So are we hitting that, right? Are we doing Mm -hmm. what's expecting of us, expected of us and, and what we're, you know, have on track to try to accomplish for whatever time frame? I think the other part is the amount of growth that happens with an individual. There's a lot of times where that's a bit of an intangible, but it's really up to our managers to be paying attention to of how much is the individual, you know, aware of what's going on in the broader business? How much are they thinking big picture about how their role impacts what we're doing as a company? Um, That is a huge part of productivity, that ability to look beyond your day-to-day and be able to contribute to, you know, kind of what we're trying to accomplish holistically. Mm-hmm. And third part of productivity, I think, is that sense of collaboration. The more you have somebody, you know, kind of choosing to work in a silo or choosing to um, you know, just kind of stick with what they know and not willing to learn and, and grow, that definitely slows down not just their productivity, but for us as a company. So. Yeah. You know, a lot of these things are just crucial of having really strong managers that are having organic conversations with people to understand how are they doing, how are they growing, and then as a result, you see how they're contributing and their productivity. That seems like a really strong point to make. I especially like the idea of, you know, the team, it's not so much individual productivity even. Like you have to start off, like you said, with the company goals. And as I've seen these worked out in smaller teams, as soon as you say, okay, this is your individual goal right here, that, that kind of breaks up the group. And now they're almost at odds without the people um, trying to get that done. And when you see, okay, as a team, we're trying to reach a certain goal and a certain objective, how do you fit into that? What can you do to help us get there? That's a different conversation that helps out a lot. Right. Because if you look at a startup, you know, their productivity is through the roof. Everybody's wearing a bunch of different hats and they're all very focused on, you know, where is this company trying to get to, right? Mm-hmm. And then 
really willing to do whatever it takes to wear whatever hat to help hit that goal. Mm-hmm. And the bigger the thing you struggle with is making sure one, you're allowing people to focus in specific areas because wearing a ton of hats can get kind of draining over time. Yep. So you want them a clear career path, but you still need to keep them focused on understanding what the goal is of a larger company because that's part of what keeps their productivity where it should be because they not only understand how they contribute to it, um, but there's a sense of pride to that, yep. right? Being like, you know, I'm not just doing X, Y, and Z. I'm, I'm contributing yep. where this company is going. Wow. Kelly, this has been amazing. I love the conversation we're having. I love what we're talking about. You are somebody we hope to continue to interact with as you're one of the leaders of a digital workplace and, and really taking it to great places. So if people want to learn more about you and WorkWave, where should they go? Yeah, um, our website's workwave.com. And you can always reach me uh, either on LinkedIn or my email is just kelly at workwave.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and getting an update on how things are going. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you can. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.